Hello and welcome to Wangaratta Baptist Church. My name is Pastor Aaron. I'm so thrilled that you've decided to join with us today for this message. This message was recorded live at one of our Sunday morning services, which are on every Sunday at 10 a.m. right here in Wangaratta. If you're here uh, in town on a Sunday, then why not come along and join with us in fellowship with other believers as we open the word together and hear from the scriptures. But if you are connecting with us online, don't let this replace uh, coming to a, a local church. Uh, they are vitally important for the growth of all believers. And so get along to your local church. But if not, then, then at least help. let this be a supplement to help you in your walk with the Lord. And so we do believe that the, the scriptures are the inerrant word of God and they're here to train us and equip us. And so we will be speaking and opening up the scriptures together. So, so get your Bibles out and follow along. And I trust that this message that you are watching today will really encourage you and inspire you and help you understand the hope that we do have in Jesus Christ. May it be a blessing to you. Recently, but for example, wokeism, the ideology that, that creates victims and perpetrators and then stokes division and animosity between those groups is rampant in our society. Just, just think of recent examples in the last, just, you know, two years, three years, Black Lives Matter, racial division, political polarisation, left and right, gender and sexuality, whatever the latest trend, you know, of being offended over is. Um, and then there are things like climate change, the war being waged against a gas which God mandated for our survival. It is plant food already, or, you know. And there's been a rise in family violence and suicide. And many are concerned about the apparent rise in conspiracy thinking and mistrust of what were once credible and authoritative sources. I mean, I saw, I saw a T-shirt recently that said, I need to get new conspiracy theories because all my old ones came true, right? We sorely need peace in our world, nation and families. Let me tell you some good news. Peace is coming. Peace is coming. In our passage that was read today from Isaiah chapter 52 verses 7 to 10, we see that Israel was also in a place of oppression and war. In this verse, the prophet Isaiah paints a picture of the day it will all be over. Just imagine this picture. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who, bring, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. Listen, your watchmen lift up their voices. Together they shout for joy. When the Lord returns to Zion, they will see it with their own eyes. Burst into songs of joy together, you ruins of Jerusalem. For the Lord has comforted his people he has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord will lay bare his holy arm in the sight of all the nations and all the ends of the earth will see the salvation of our God. That's an amazing picture being painted, isn't it, there by Isaiah. A picture of a messenger racing through the, the, the mountains, 
to announce the news, to proclaim peace at last, to proclaim that God is king. Peace is coming. And, and also what's true that we see is that peace is about who is in charge. The presence of peace is not just about whether there is fighting or not. It's about who is in charge. We can look at plenty of nations in our world right now that are not at war, but at the same time, we would also say that they are not characterised by peace. Would you say that America, which technically isn't at war anymore, is characterised by peace? Would you say that even our country is characterised by peace? We are not at war, but you couldn't say that our country is characterised by peace. The presence of peace is not just about whether there is fighting or not. It's about who is in charge. And I don't think that the people in charge of our country, our Prime Minister, our State Premiers, have been creating a more peaceful world for our nation over the last two years. But what's also true is that there is no one in charge and a that, that where there is no one in charge and a country's at war, there's still also no peace. So when there is no leader, there seems to be more fighting and less peace because we all resort to tribalism, right? Removing bad leaders for no leaders sounds like a great option on paper. Like I'd much prefer to have no leader than a bad leader right? That sounds like it's logical. But what happens is that we just return to tribal groups and there seems to be more conflict within those little groups. So if we have bad leaders in charge or no leaders in charge and we still don't get peace, then what about when we get better leaders? You'd hope if we get better leaders, there'd be more peace. But the truth of it is this, whether an evil or self-serving or even just competent ruler is in charge and there is no fighting, there is also no peace. Think of Disney movies, for example, when the villain is temporarily in charge you know, the sky is dark, the fields are bare, everyone's suffering. A great example of this is in The Lion King. If you've seen that movie, The Lion King, Mufasa is killed by his brother Scar, who chases the little cub Simba away. And then a once lush and green land of plenty in their jungle, it turns dry, dark and barren. Hunger becomes the norm. And whilst there's no real fighting, there's no peace. And in fact, all human leadership is flawed and will never bring perfect peace. I think back to when Scott Morrison was voted into government nearly three years ago. Personally, I had really high hopes that, you know, given that he's a committed Christian, I was really hopeful that he would steer our nation for, toward a, a more peaceful future and establish order and help create spaces for human flourishing. But COVID, politics, the media, and a bunch of other factors, they've all brought about a, any human leader's flaws and failures. Every leader we have ever had has had flaws and failures because they're human. And, you know, I had very high and lofty expectations, which 
no one could match up to, let alone Scott Morrison. And I doubt any politician could ever meet our lofty expectations of them. It's such a hard role. But we can also look here in Victoria with our Premier here. I mean, he's got the numbers in both houses, basically, to pass legislation that could lead to a more prosperous state and help create spaces for human flourishing here in Victoria, yet he, can seem, he seems more concerned with a destructive agenda of tearing apart the fabric and the heritage of what, uh, what, what has brought us to this point in time, denying some fundamental liberties here and there, trampling on our Judeo-Christian values and heritage. Look at the legislation he's been trying to pass against you know, um, the, the religious discrimination and those sorts of things. He's, he's actually trying to tear what our heritage is, kind of trying to tear that apart. So peace is about who is in charge. But the reality is all human leadership is flawed and will never bring perfect peace. That's our lived experience. So, Aaron, where is the good news this Christmas? Why are you talking to us about peace and all you're saying is everything's not at peace? Where is peace coming from? Well, let me just tell you some really good news. Not only is peace coming, but peace is wrapped up in the story of Christmas. See, in the story of Christmas, God takes charge and a new kind of king arrives. See, Christmas is the messenger who runs through the mountains. The message is that God has taken charge, the age of his kingdom has begun, and the new king is about to arrive. Every time you put up your tree, every time you bring out those decorations, every time you sing a Christmas carol, every time you turn on those lights, you are being that messenger. You are heralding the message. You are running through the mountains. You are declaring that God has taken charge and the age of his kingdom has begun and you are heralding the arrival of a new kind of king. New rulers, though, can bring reservations in all of us. You know, will they be heavy-handed or restrict freedom, act in their own interests? Ultimately, can we trust them to use their power well for this kingdom? I mean, in this coming year ahead, on a very practical note, we have two elections, both a state and a federal election coming up. State in November, federal March, May, it has to be by May. And we might potentially be electing new leaders to parliament and I'm praying we'll elect a new premier, uh, but that's maybe just me. And the, the, the thing is with, with new rulers, there is an unknown reality. And so new rulers, we can have reservations about them. Will they be better or worse? Will they be heavy-handed or gracious? Will they restrict freedom or grant more? Will they act in their own interests or, or act in the best interest of the people they govern? 
Can we trust them to use their power well? Will they use their position of political influence and power to create spaces for human flourishing or remove it? These, these are what's at stake when we have that democratic process of being able to vote. We are voting for the type of leader that we'd like. But we, we know it's a flawed process because they're still earth, earthly leaders. They'll not live up to their own promises or our hopes. Can we trust them to use their power well for God's kingdom? Well, I don't know about political leaders. I don't think we can. There's very few we probably could, could say yes through history have. But the answer with Jesus, though, is yes. Yes, we can trust Jesus. You know, all human leaders will fail, yet Jesus will not let us down. We can trust Jesus to use his power well for God's kingdom. And so it's really important that we are not afraid because there's four things that Jesus brings us confidence in so that we don't have to be afraid. Jesus brings freedom, life. He died in our place and he plans for us to thrive. So let's look at those. Jesus brings freedom. You know, the opposite of freedom is slavery. We sang a song earlier, we are no longer slaves, right? We are no longer slaves to sin, but Jesus brings freedom. He has won victory, and so we are now free. Listen to these words from Galatians 5.1. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. So no matter what happens practically and politically, that doesn't affect our freedom that Christ grants us. John 8, 36, So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. The Son has set us free, so we are free. We can have confidence in Jesus. It is by his word that we are free. Romans 8, 1 and 2. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. Jesus brings freedom. There is no condemnation in Jesus because we've been set free from the law of sin and death. And not only does Jesus bring freedom, but Jesus brings life. John 3, 16 and 17, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. The purpose that Jesus came was to save the world, and so Jesus brings us life. He's come to save your life. And this is stark contrast to the darkness in our world. John 10, 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. That's what we're told the thief, as in Satan, does. But then Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Not just ordinary, boring, mundane life, but a full life. Life to the full. I've seen some people translate as life to the max. You know, yeah. Uh, it reminds me of a, of a Simpsons episode 
where Homer Simpson was in a store and was trying to come up with one of these names of power. And he saw on this, this um, hairdryer, Max Power. And he goes, oh, that's a good name. So he, he adopted the name Max Power because it was a, one of those strength names, you know. But we don't have to adopt any other name. We're given that Max Power. We're given that full life in Jesus. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God, the gift of God, you know, it's a gift. It's nothing we earn. The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So Jesus brings life. And Jesus also died in our place. We just read that the personal cost of sin for each of us is death. But Jesus died in our place. His love for us was so great that he laid his life down for us, his friends. John 15, 13, greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. That's what God did for you. He laid down his life in your place. Romans 5, 6, you see just at the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. Whilst we were still sinners, completely unworthy, whilst that was our condition, Christ died for us. Jesus died in our place. And Jesus plans for us to thrive. He doesn't just want us to, to survive until we die or until he returns. Jesus wants us to thrive. We read earlier that Jesus came that we might have life, that we might have it to the full. That's what Jesus wants for each of us. He wants to help us thrive. He wants us to thrive. And God has given us a great helper to accomplish this. He has given us the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit gives us gifts and activates in us ability for God's glory and our flourishing. 2 Peter 1.3 confirms that we have all we need to flourish through the power of the Spirit. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. 1 Peter, sorry, 2 Peter 1.3. The gifts that we have been given, they do vary, but the purpose remains. They're given for God's glory and for our flourishing. And here are the gifts. You'll see these in many passages throughout the New Testament, Galatians, Peter, there's a few of them in other books. First one is the gift of wisdom. The gift, this gift is to make choices and to give leadership that is according to God's will. God gives through the Holy Spirit the gift of wisdom to some to make choices and give leadership that's according to God's will. There's also the gift of knowledge, the gift to have a comprehensive understanding of a spiritual issue or circumstance. God does give some people special insight into spiritual realities. Gift of faith, 
This is the gift to trust God and inspire others to trust God, no matter what the conditions. There's the gift of healing, the wondrous gift to call upon God's healing power to cure a person who is ill, wounded or suffering. The gift of miracles, the gift to display signs and miracles that give credibility to God's word and the gospel message. There's the gift of prophecy, the gift to declare a message from God, the gift of discerning spirits, the gift to recognize whether or not something is truly from God or and in accordance with righteousness. There's the gift of tongues, the gift to communicate in a foreign language that you do not have the experience with in order to bring the hope of the gospel to those who speak that language. There's the gift of interpreting tongues, the gift to interpret speech and writings of a different language and translate it back to others in your own. There's also lovely gift, the gift of administration, the gift to keep things ordered and in agreement with God's principles. There's the gift of helps, the gift of a desire and capacity to always help others to do what it takes to get the task achieved. See, these are just some of the many gifts of the Holy Spirit that he gives believers, each according to God's plans and purposes and for his glory in our flourishing. Jesus gives us the gift of the Holy Spirit to help bring life in each one of us and to help us thrive. And so if you don't know what gifts you have and how you can use them, then why don't you come have a chat? And let's work through how God has uniquely skilled and gifted you to serve him, then bring him glory and help his people flourish. And Jesus brings peace to those who make him king both now and in the future. You know, Jesus has the amazing ability to personally bring us peace through the most challenging circumstances now. I mean, if I think about all that's gone on uh, in my life and where there's been moments of turmoil, where there's been moments of, of disaster, where there's been moments of loss, of grief. And I think in those moments, there has still been peace because that is what Jesus has brought me. And even in the midst of conflict and hostility, Jesus brings us peace because the peace of Jesus is not dependent upon circumstances, but on hope and trust in him. Over the last couple of months, it's been challenging to find peace. And I got really down for a while and quite drained and tired and certainly not at peace. I'm sure that you've all felt that at some point over the last two years, right? What I realised, however, was that those were the moments where I needed to look to Jesus the most. When things are not going well, we can have the tendency to do more in our own strength, to try and work harder, to try and push on, to try and do more, to try and get out of this, this, this turmoil or this this you know, feeling that things aren't going well. We try and, you know, with our own will and determination to try and try and get us through and, and we forget that God is right there with us. And when we forget and go it alone, peace so easily evades us. 
But Jesus brings peace to us even in the middle of the toughest of circumstances, conflict and even hostility because his peace is not dependent on circumstances but on hope and trust in him. You know, when we ask Jesus to rule and reign over our lives, we are admitting that we can't find peace ourselves by our striving. We are acknowledging God's sovereignty over us and all of his creation and we are placing our hope and trust in him. And when we, we look at the worst of life right now, then look to Jesus and trust him. That is where we find peace. He has got it all under control. There's no need to worry. I mean, worry will only bring its own problems. But if instead of worrying, we learn to give things to Jesus and trust him, that is where we find peace. And so our personal peace is found in hope and trust in Jesus. But what about world peace, Aaron? When will Jesus bring that about? Well, Jesus will return to bring worldwide and universal peace and will judge those who have prevented or worked against peace. Our ultimate destination is a new heaven and a new earth ruled in perfect peace by a king who brings about his subjects good. You know, when Jesus returns, he will bring about worldwide and universal peace. We are told this in scripture. Now, I'm not going to go into all the finer details and points about this. Thessalonians, Revelation, Daniel, that's where to start. And there's a few other pieces, places that give greater details on prophecies for the future. But the big picture is this. Jesus has already won victory on the cross. That's what the, the great news is already won victory on the cross. And when he comes again at the end of times, at the end of all this, he will judge all those who have worked against peace and rejected God. They'll be thrown into the lake of fire. God will create a new heaven and a new earth ruled in perfect peace by King Jesus, who ushers in an eternity of good for us all to enjoy in his very presence. That's the picture of the future that the Bible paints for us. That's the picture of the future that the messenger runs through the hills heralding, that that is our eternity, our future, new heaven, new earth, ruled by King Jesus, full of peace. That's our destiny. That's our final destination. So Jesus brings peace to those who are making king both now by us looking to him in those moments of turmoil and in the future when this great new heaven, new earth begins. My last point is this. The king's children are called to announce peace to others. You thought you were going to get off easy today with, oh, that just look to Jesus when things get tough. I've just got to look to Jesus. Lovely. Okay. Thank you, Aaron. Yep, I can do that. But peace now is not only something that we have, 
but something we are called to share with others. It's not an exclusive club. Churches, Christianity, it's not an exclusive club where we're supposed to keep it all a secret, right? It's also not a prestigious league where we're supposed to revel in our status and disregard everyone else. The peace we have through Jesus is something that we are supposed to share far and wide to all corners of our existence. So how can we actively work towards peace in our world? Well, it is coming up to Christmas where, you know, ornaments have wonderful things on our trees, like the words, like, like joy, like peace, like hope, plastered all over them. And, and often the people buying them are bustling around in a rush to get everything sorted for, for the family, stressed over every little thing. They're grumpy, they're tired, they're argumentative. Add to that QR codes and being stopped and asked questions. Joy, hope and peace seem like the furthest thing from their reality. Is it not bizarre to you that people are rushing around and then buying things that do say joy, hope and peace in the moment where they have none? And we do actively to work towards peace in our world right now. Well, may I suggest showing kindness and grace is one way. Offering a basket to someone in the supermarket whose arms are full. We've all been there. I'm just here to grab a couple of things. I can hold them. I can carry them. And then you're like, uh, maybe not. I should have grabbed a basket. You know, if you find someone with, go offer them a basket. Like, there's little things we can do. For those who are not vertically challenged, grabbing something off the high shelf for someone who might be struggling. Giving a friend, colleague or neighbour a thoughtful gift. Offering to look after a busy mum's kids so she can go to the shops for a few hours. Paying for a person's meal behind you in the drive-thru buying lunch or coffee for someone, being a calming presence wherever you go, offering to introduce someone to Jesus who grants us peace. What can you do to actively work towards peace in your world right now? How can you be that messenger and that herald running through the mountains? Peace is here. What about in your relationships? Who in your life do you need to share the peace of Jesus with? Maybe this Christmas might, you might be gifted the opportunity to share the peace of Jesus with one of your three friends that you've been praying for. Or maybe over the coming weeks and even into January, you might be able to take those casual service, surface conversations into serious conversations and then to spiritual conversations where you can share the peace of Jesus. So I guess what's left today is to ask two questions. Do you know God's peace? And will you work for peace? If you don't know God's peace, then can I encourage you to keep searching for Jesus and he will find you and he will give you his peace. And if you do know Jesus, then will you work for peace? 
Let me pray. Dear Lord Jesus, we ask that you grant us your peace today. We're sorry for the times where we've ignored you and where we've allowed peace to be replaced by chaos. Lord, we ask that you would give us the strength and resolve to seek you out and to look to you in our moments of struggle and that you would grant us your peace. Lord, we're so thankful that peace will finally come when you are in charge and Jesus is king. This begins now as your kingdom spreads through us by faith. And we look forward to its completion when Christ returns. We thank you that we can know God's peace now and are called to work for peace and for the good of those around us. Lord, I pray that we might all know your peace in our lives and that we might be encouraged to find practical ways of working for peace in our world through your guidance and the empowerment of your spirit. We thank you for your presence with us by your spirit who gifts us for this task. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.